Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Genesis as we continue our study. And uh, <clears throat> I guess most of you are aware that if you look in your bulletin, that there were last week's bulletin, and uh, everything stayed the same. So this uh, title, uh, A Different Kind of Love Story, was really meant for Valentine's Day, but uh, the story is still true today, that God loves us so much, amen, and uh, we're so appreciative of that. We find in the book of Genesis, where the last time we were gathered together, we talked about the sin that Adam and Eve had committed, and uh, once they fell into temptation by Satan and Today we're going to look at the consequences of that sin and also the answer uh, to it, and that is God's forever love toward us. Adam and Eve are about to discover the terrible truth of Galatians 6-7. Galatians 6-7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, and Adam and Eve are about to learn that lesson. We pick up in verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman who you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. And let's unite our hearts together again. Father, once again we come to you and we just thank you, Lord, that you are a good God and a gracious God and a loving God. We thank you, Father, that uh, your mercy endureth forever. And, Father, that we can uh, come to you in times of difficulty. Father, we, we're so thankful that you have brought us through this past difficult week. And we pray, Lord, that as we go forward, that we'll be faithful and that, Lord, that we will uh, share with others the good news 
That is that God loves us enough to send his son to die for us. And we just pray, God, that you teach us today how we must deal with sin in our own life. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That doesn't really mean a whole lot to people today because we live in a society that doesn't fear sin. We live in a a society that likes to play around with sin or to cozy up with sin. And we think that we can deal with this in a private way and that we would never face the consequences. But the word of the Lord is still true today Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. R.G. Lee, that great preacher of another generation, he used to say that sin will take you further than you want to go. It would cost you more than you want to pay and will keep you longer than you would like to stay. So we want to look at that sin this morning and We want to look at the results of that sin and the remedy of that sin and we will continue to uh, study this as God has laid out right here at the very beginning of the Word of God. The first thing that I want you to notice this morning is the result of sin. And folks, something that we all need, let's look at verse 7 again. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The first thing that I want you to notice here is that sin brings shame. Sin turns uh, to shame. They knew that they were naked and immediately tried to cover themselves up. They saw themselves naked and were ashamed. And you say, well, pastor... It doesn't say they were ashamed there. How do you know that they were ashamed? Well, the reason I know that is because they covered themselves immediately and later on they hid from God. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, it says that God made them both male and female and they were naked and they were not ashamed. But when they saw themselves now, they knew that they were naked and that naked, and they were afraid. That's those uh, uh, English teachers back there that made me change that. They were not naked, but naked. And uh, uh, they saw themselves that way, and they made coverings. They, they had never done that before. I mean, they had been there for days, and, and they had never found themselves uh, coverings for their nakedness. They, they were fine with it. And I believe, let me, let me tell you what I believe, uh, and, and this is, I, I'm speaking ex-cathedra here. Now what ex-cathedra, that's Latin, and what it means is, is that I'm speaking not from God. This is not something God gave me. This is just something that I deduced on my own, okay? This is something I figured out. It could be right and it could be wrong, but I'm going to share with you what I believe. This is just what I think. I believe that in the beginning when God created them and they were naked and they were not ashamed, it was because they were clothed 
in the glorious light of God. Not with clothing, but they were surrounded in the glory of God. And the reason I say that, the Bible teaches that uh, God clothed himself with light. And, uh, and that light is called the Shekinah glory of God. Now you'll remember when Jesus on the Mount of the Transfiguration, when he appeared uh, to the disciples there, he was clothed in light, in the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. When he met our Paul, or Saul at that time, on the Damascus Road, the Bible says that there was a great light. And I'm thinking that that was the Shekinah glory of God. And, and uh, in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, the 8th Psalm in the 5th verse, this is what it says. God made man a little lower than the angels, and he crowned man with his glory. He crowned man with his glory. And I'm thinking that glory is the Shekinah glory of God. Now, I've already confessed. I've already said it up front. I've given, given a disclaimer. It doesn't say that, but that's just what I think. I think that they were clothed in the Shekinah glory of God. And when they sinned, they fell short of the glory of God. And the glory left them, and they found themselves naked before him, and they immediately tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. When man sinned, he felt short of the glory of God. The glory departed, and man became conscience, conscious of his nakedness and they were ashamed. Do you know? Do you know that there are people today, you know people, I know people, we've seen people on television and in the movies, there are people all over our society today who would like to eliminate shame. They say that there's no room for shame in our society today. They say that it is damaging to the fragile egos of our children and our peoples. Uh, i got to tell you, I would that we could all be like Ezra who prayed a prayer like this in Ezra 9.6. He said, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen above the heads, above our heads, and uh, our guilt has grown even to the heavens. And people come back to me and say, "Well, Pastor, does that mean that you want us walking around underneath all this shame and all of this guilt? Are you just trying to put a, a heavy load of guilt upon us and make us?" live that way? No, I don't. I don't want to put guilt on you, but neither do I want us to live like the people back in Jeremiah's day that were not ashamed and couldn't even blush 
Let me share with you what uh, not being able to blush, not being able to know shame, where that leads us in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Verses eight and nine, eighteen and nineteen, it says, "For many walk of whom I have heard told you, for whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping." The apostle Paul hated to say this, but he had to. He's saying, "I'm saying it with tears in my eyes that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. These people that are going around and uh, not being ashamed of the things that were going on in their lives." He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory, listen to this, whose glory is in their shame. Whose glory is in their shame. Folks, our problems today is not that we have too much shame in our world today. The problem is is that we glorify our shame today. When you look at what's going on in the world around us, the gangs and the the killings and the abortions and the drugs and the adultery and the sexual perversion and the uh, homosexuality, the foul language, it's it's not that they're just present in our world today, but it's that they are glorified. Folks, you can't watch television without hearing foul language. You can't watch television without seeing homosexuality. And it's getting more and more and more. Now even now even our commercials are having to deal with uh, homosexuality and that kind of thing. And listen to me, listen to me. It is a sin before God. Don't let anyone ever tell you uh, that it's not. So many people say, well, we were just born this way. Uh, folks, God doesn't make mistakes. I don't know what it is, but it seems like people are proud. They do this stuff, and it's not just that they do it. They they don't hide it or anything. They flaunt it. They flaunt it. And as a matter of fact, they call you out if you won't accept that you were wrong, if you won't accept what they're doing is right. Uh, I... I Folks, we need to remember that there is a God in heaven and one day man is appointed once to die and after that the judgment. We are going to stand before the judgment of God and I would to God that we could feel a little bit of shame. And I'm not just speaking about the drunkards or the... the, the, uh, Drug addicts, I'm not just speaking of the, the uh, adulterers and the, uh, the uh, homosexuals and the, those that burn our cities down. I'm not just speaking about them, but you and I, we have sin in our lives as well. Amen? The Bible says that you say you have not sinned, you call God a liar and his truth is not in you. Say, well, Pastor. We've got to understand. We've got to understand that sin. David said, "My sin is ever before is ever before God. It's against Him. It's against God." 
And uh, he says, it's against you, Lord. And it's ever before me. He, he, he could not deal with the fact that that sin without breaking down before a holy God <coughs> and confessing that sin. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. We need to understand that our sin in our life is just as much a violation before God as all those other things that I, I uh, have spoken of. Something else that's a result of sin. Not only does the sin lead to a shame, but unfortunately, that shame leads to a shame. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean it leads to a shame? What does that mean? Well, Adam and Eve sinned. They found that the Shekinah glory of God left them. They recognized, they became conscious of the fact that they were naked. And what did they do? They went and they sewed up fig leaves and in such a way that they could cover their nakedness. They tried to, they tried to hide their nakedness. <coughs> and oh, I imagine they were quite proud of uh, what, oh, how do you like this new outfit I made? I'm sorry, it has to be green like everything else. Do you know, do you know there are times when we do the exact same thing that they did. We don't use fig leaves. Let me tell you what we use sometimes. Sometimes we use religion. We we use we use good works. We use coming to church. We use being uh, having morals. We we use. We use our position in the community. And we go around all of this and we point to all of those things. That doesn't take away from the fact that there is sin in our lives. Folks, listen to me. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many times you come to church. I don't know how, I don't care how many times you've been dipped in the baptismal pool. It doesn't matter. There's still sin in our lives. And if we point to any of those things to try to justify who we are, it comes up short. See, deep inside, we know we're just using fig leaves. We know that we're just, we're just, we're just trying to cover up who we really are. That shame becomes a sham. And you know what? It doesn't work. And the sham then becomes separation. Because after they covered themselves with that, uh, those fig leaves, 
they heard God strolling through the garden in the cool of the day, and they knew that they were going to stand before the scrutiny of a righteous God, and they decided that they would go and hide themselves. And it turned in, they separated themselves from the presence of God. And I can't help but imagine that a sly smile slid across the face of Satan because he realized, he knew that he had done exactly what he had set out to do. He drove a wedge between man and God. They fled the presence of God. So the sham, the sin led to a sham. The sham led to a separation. And the separation, that's the result of sin. Now I want to, in point two, I want to talk to you about the remedy of that separation because the separation led to a seeking. The separation led to a seeking. God came walking in the midst of the garden in the the cool of the evening, and he was looking for Adam and Eve. He was calling out to them, Adam, Adam, Eve, where are you? This is something we need to understand, folks, about salvation. This is something that's so important and it's fundamental to understanding the the salvation that God offers us through Jesus Christ. It's not that Adam went looking for God. It was that God went looking for Adam. Amen? It's not that we, the matter of fact, the Bible says that no man seeketh after God. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans, that no man seeketh after God. It's that God is seeking you. God is calling out your name. And God is wanting you to come and confess to him. And you say, oh, you say, I've never heard God call out my name. Can I tell you that he has over and over again. As a matter of fact, I believe that God called out your name this morning. I think with every one of those songs that we sang, God was calling out, Russell, Russell. When we looked around and waved at one another and expressed that love for one another, God's calling out, Russell, Russell. Whenever we lifted up prayers for the needs of the folks in this congregation and our families and friends, every prayer that was lifted up for us this morning, God was calling out, Russell, Russell. And every time that we shake somebody's hands or every time we listen to the Word of God being preached, God is calling out your name, Russell. Russell, he is calling out to us and he's wanting, he's desiring, he wants us to respond and to say yes to him. Amen? That's what all of this is 
all about. God is calling out to the hearts of people, come back to me. And we say, and we say, oh, Satan has done a thing. I know, I know I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I know that there are things that I'm guilty of. I know that there are things that separate me from you. And that's the reason I I first titled this uh, Love of a Different Kind. God's love is not contingent upon the good things that we do or it's not the, the, the destroyed by the bad things we do. It's something that God has commended to us that even while we're yet sinners, He allowed His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a different kind of love. It's not a love that you need to earn. It's not a love that you need to keep burning. It's a love that is everlasting. And He loves you. And He loves me. And it matters not what those things are, those times that we've failed and fallen short. He has provided a way. He's provided a way. And I'm getting away from my outline and so you don't have to even worry about it anymore. But let me just share one more thing with you. We find in this passage that we have been looking at this morning that uh, the very first gospel message was printed here, was given right here in the book of Genesis at the very beginning as Adam and Eve had sinned and were separated from God, had fallen out of uh, fellowship with the living God. And you remember God uh, put them outside of the garden and he told them that the punishment for their sin would be that man would have to work for his bread by the toil and the sweat of his brow and that he would that all of the gifts of the garden were gone. He would have to work and the grounds would bring back, bring forth thorns and thistles. That woman would have to go through childbirth, the pain of childbirth, and have to endure all of that, yet her, yet her desire would still be for her husband. And he said all of us. And God's saying, why did you do this? What have you done? He asked Adam. Adam immediately blamed his wife. Oh, oh! first he blamed God. He blamed them both at the same time. He said, he said it was Eve that you gave me, God. That's, that's what the, the homosexuals say. Oh, God made me this way. This is what you did to me. I lie right straight out of it's, it was my wife that you gave me, God. She's the one that gave me that fruit to eat. And he turned to Adam. And Adam said, I mean, he turned to Eve. And he said, well, the serpent tempted me. I mean, he deceived me. The ser- it was the serpent's fault. 
and he looked at the serpent. And the serpent said, well, well, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. So uh, he, they were all judged. But then he said, I'm going to put enmity between us. Now, this is, this is, this is vexing. This is something that made the, the Old Testament scholars take notice. This is something that never happened before. He said because that Eve tempted, gave the fruit to Adam, he said, he said to her, he said to her, I'm going to put enmity between you and the devil and between your seed and her. Now, a lot of times people read right over that, and they don't, they don't understand what's happening there. The word seed used in that perspective is mentioned over a hundred times in the Old Testament. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament. But not any of it, not any of it, refer to a woman except this one time. Because you see, the seed is a masculine term. This is the only time in all of the Bible that it refers to a woman. You know why? It was a promise. It was a foreshadowing. It was a prophecy of the fact that Jesus Christ... See, it didn't make sense to anyone. It didn't make sense to any of those Old Testament scholars. Until you read Isaiah, when he said that a virgin shall conceive bear a child and the name of that child will be called Emmanuel God with us because you see this is the only time in all of the history of the world that a virgin conceived and bore a child the reason they said the woman here he was picturing the day that Mary would be confronted by an angel, and that angel would say to her, I say we have to wait because today the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be with child. You will be with child. Back in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning, God showed us a different kind of love story. It wasn't the love between man and woman. It was the love between God and his people. Yes, we've all sinned. And I don't know about you, but that often brings shame into my heart. I, 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 
I call out before God, Lord, forgive me for I've sinned. Lord, please, please let your grace and your mercy shower down upon me. You ever done that? You see, that's what, that's what God's kind of love does. It's a continuing love story. It never changes, and it never ends. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you as broken people. We come to you knowing that there's sin in our lives. Oh, Father, there are so many times that we fall short of your goodness, of your standard, and we know that sin separates us from you. Oh, we call upon your love, God. We call upon your mercy. We call upon your grace. We believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that he came to pay the penalty of our sin. Oh God, cleanse us. You say to confess our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh God, we do that this morning. I ask you, Lord, to have your way in the hearts of people. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.